You're listening to Root Lock Radio. Hello and welcome to Root Lock Radio, a podcast for uncloaking, learning, and exploring the tarot cards. My name is Weston, I live in New York City, and I'm your host. In today's episode, I'm going to address an issue that has been brought to my attention by many different Rootlock Radio listeners, and that is, why are the court cards so challenging? So I'll take some time to look at the particular challenges that the court cards present to tarot readers, and then I'll introduce a new way of looking at and working with the court cards that draws from the concepts of internal family systems therapy. This will give you a new way of approaching these particularly challenging cards and hopefully working with them in more effective ways. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Rootlock Radio. Hello, Rootlock Radio listeners. Welcome to episode three of season two of the podcast. As always, I'm very excited to be here. And for this episode, I am drawing on some conversations that I've had while I've been engaging a little bit more with listeners. So a lot of people have been asking me to cover the court cards more thoroughly. Uh, This has come up in the discussion group on Facebook as well as uh, I did a question and answer on my Instagram account, which is Rootlock Tarot, and asked people what they would like to hear more of in Season 2. And more than any other topic, what came up was to cover the court cards more thoroughly. And this makes a lot of sense to me, because the court cards are tough. If you've ever drawn a court card and thought to yourself something like, damn it, I want a real card, or, well, that's just not giving me the help I asked for, or I guess I'll just draw a different card, then you probably know what I'm talking about. And the more that I think about it, I think there are two main reasons that the court cards are really challenging. And the first reason is pretty similar to the one I mentioned about the aces in the previous episode, and it's that they're not very narrative. When you look at the image on a Smith Rider Waite court card, you see a person standing or sitting on a horse or sitting on a throne, and it's hard to create a story from that. And another thing is that all the court cards look really similar to each other, and so it's hard to differentiate. So those are the two reasons, that it's not, the court cards are not very narrative, they don't lend themselves as well as other cards to creating a story. And that they also look pretty similar to each other, so you just kind of get stuck trying to figure that out. Now, as I've said before, tarot is a tool that offers us guidance. That's what it's for. And in order to get guidance, we often want to kind of tell a story to ourselves. So we draw on the imagery to create that story. 
And even when we have ideas in our heads or in our tarot books about the cards, when we don't see a story, then the imagery can be very difficult for us. And this is often the case with the court cards, just like the aces. And so then we find ourselves grasping for a story. And a lot of the traditional interpretations of court cards try to create a story out of the court cards. A lot of times you'll hear something like, this must be a person in your life who you need to move closer to or seek advice from or get away from, or it is a person who will come into your life soon, right? A lot of traditional interpretations of something like the Knight of Cups is that this handsome, sensitive man is going to show up in your life soon. That sounds really exciting, uh, but as you may remember from previous episodes, we don't really want to use the tarot to try to predict the future, right? So we're kind of walking on some thin ice when we start to see court cards in that way. This is all well and good, but even with these particular interpretations that are kind of in the tarot collective conscious, most of us still struggle to interpret them, right? So even if you do have this idea that a court card might be another person who you're supposed to align with, we still don't really find much use there. And that is because, in my interpretation, that it does not put the focus on the internal, which tarot is supposed to offer us guidance for, right? We're supposed to be looking for guidance for ourselves. And so when we're looking at court cards as other people, it's hard to know really what we're supposed to do with that. And say that person doesn't show up, then what do you do? I often find myself, especially earlier in my learning the tarot, kind of avoiding the court cards. If I pull the court card as my card of the day, I might kind of think like, eh, I don't want to think about this too much. Uh, I might even draw another card, right? And typically when there's a set of cards or a particular card that we avoid, it means there's something we're not really getting about it and that it would actually be worth it to spend more time with that card rather than less. So that's what I'm going to try to do with the court cards this season. And I've been wondering about how to structure this, right? Because a lot of people have been saying, let's talk more about the court cards, I want to hear more about the court cards. And does that mean I create a series of episodes on the court cards? I've kind of already done that, right? So I think what y'all are asking for is something a little bit different. And so here's what I'm planning to do. I'm not just going to do a series of episodes on the court cards. If you want to hear those, you can go back to season one, and you can listen to episodes 12 and 13. But what I'm going to do is, yes, create some episodes that do focus on particular aspects of the court cards, like this one, Uh, but I'm also going to intentionally weave the court cards into other episodes, like I did last week with the aces. So I have in mind some future topics around kind of going, looking at the elemental energies in different ways um, and other ideas. And I, I can intentionally bring the court cards into those conversations, which will give you kind of a multifaceted way of looking at them. Uh, so you can kind of imagine the court cards popping up here and there and being woven into this season of, of Rootlock Radio. And hopefully that will help you to kind of get a better grasp on them. But that said, one thing to remember is that you just have to accept that the court cards are always going to be more challenging than a lot of the other cards. And when you know that, you can kind of keep this in mind when you do draw a court card. You might need to say, okay, it's going to take a little bit more work for me to do 
an interpretation of this card. It's going to take a little bit more work for me to create that story that's going to offer me guidance with this card. If you'd like to support Rootlock Radio, consider making a pledge to my Patreon page. A monthly donation of $5 or more will get you access to supplementary materials to future episodes, as well as a private online discussion forum. You can join that by going to patreon.com rootlockradio, or by following the link on my website. If you're new to the podcast or new to tarot, you may want to go back and listen to season one, which is episodes one through 16. Those episodes provide a structured and comprehensive course in tarot. I've also just released a 48-page PDF companion guidebook to Season 1 that you can purchase for $20 and download on my website, rootlocktarot.com. So in today's episode, I'm introducing a new way of looking at the court cards. And this way is informed by a type of psychotherapy that I've been learning about called Internal Family Systems Therapy, or IFS for short, which was developed by Richard Schwartz. So this is influenced by Family Systems Therapy, which is a way of working with whole families. And the idea is that you, as a therapist, are looking for problems in the family system rather than in an individual family member. So, for example, if you have a family come into your therapy office and there's a teenager in that family who is rebelling and doing drugs and all kinds of problematic behaviors, you might want to say to yourself, this behavior is a symptom not of that teenager's individual psychological problems, but of a problem in the family as a whole. So what we want to know is, are the parents fighting? Is this kid not getting the attention and care that they need? Is another sibling taking all the attention? Are the parents on the brink of divorce and this behavior actually creates a crisis that functions to keep the family together? There are all kinds of ways that you can look at that substance abuse and rebellious behavior as a symptom of something going on in the family as a whole. And overall, this helps us to steer clear of blaming a particular family member for the problem, but instead seeing it as an issue of the system of the family. So internal family systems, which is the type of therapy that I'm using in relation to the court cards here, it takes a similar view to family systems therapy, but it imagines as if that whole family were living inside the mind of an individual. Bear with me on this. So in other words, we all contain multitudes, which I think is a phrase that I'm going to say a lot in the podcast this season. We all contain multitudes. We all have many different parts of ourselves, and all of these parts have different wants and needs and drives and emotions and triggers and all kinds of stuff going on. And these different parts can include child parts or adult parts, parts that resemble people we know, and many, many more. So let's think of an example. So say someone you don't know cuts you in line at the grocery store. Okay, this is the situation. And you don't say anything to this person, but you find yourself getting very angry. There might be some parts at play here. 
So perhaps there's a child part of you that is hurt by someone cutting you in line because it's like ignoring or dismissing you. That behavior of cutting you in line makes you feel like you've been ignored or dismissed and that you're not important. And perhaps as a child yourself, you often were ignored or dismissed, so this seemingly small moment with a stranger at the grocery store actually activates that part, and that part feels hurt. But then, a part of you that wants to protect that hurt part steps up, and this is kind of a more grown-up, aggressive part. And you find yourself disproportionately angry and on the verge of chewing out the person who cut you in line. So both parts are at play, right? Somewhere deep down, the part of you that reminds you of yourself as a child is hurt by being cut in line. And then a part that is sort of protecting that hurt child part is getting aggressive and angry. But then maybe a wise and balanced adult part steps in and mediates. It might kind of tell the angry part that although it's trying to be protective, chewing this person out is not going to get you anywhere, it is just going to be embarrassing. And if you're really self-aware, then the wise part might also acknowledge the hurt child part and offer some consolation to that childhood part in the form of self-compassion. So saying something to yourself like, you know, when someone cuts me in line, it hurts my feelings because I have felt dismissed many times in my life. So this wise adult part is actually managing these other emotional, emotionally reactive parts that you have going on in you at that time. So you calm down, and maybe you're mostly a little bit weirded out by the emotional roller coaster you just went over in a small moment. Right? So what we're doing here is we're creating a story. Right? So what, what happened is you had an emotional reaction to a situation that happened to you at the grocery store. But in able to understand that emotional reaction, we're actually creating three different characters that exist within you that have different wants, needs, triggers, emotions, and relationships to each other. So again, it's this idea that we contain multitudes. And different parts need different things, want different things, have different triggers, and come to the forefront at different moments and interact with each other in different ways. So in that example, the hurt childhood part is kind of hidden behind the angry, aggressive adult part. But no one really even sees that on the outside of you because the wise, calming part steps in and dictates what your actual outward reaction is, even though something else is going on inside. So in this above example, you're probably glad that you did not embarrass yourself by screaming at this person who cut you in line, but say that you actually did do that. You get cut in line and you end up screaming at that person and getting all worked up and, and angry and acting on that anger. So this might be seen as a symptom of a problem among the parts, just as the rebelling teenager in the family system is a symptom of something else going on in the family. So in this case, you might want to focus on strengthening that wise and calm part so it can step in and do its job to calm the angry part and to soothe the hurt part. So as a therapist, you would really be working with that wise, calming adult part of that person so they could, that could help them to manage their emotions and regulate themselves in that moment. So you may be wondering, how does this all relate to tarot cards and court cards specifically? Well, the way I'm beginning to see the court cards is as an internal family system. In other words, we all have parts of ourselves 
that resemble each of the court cards. Now, of course, you might identify with one court card more than others, or several court cards more than others, but in some way you can probably find within yourself something that resembles the feeling or what it's like to be all of the court cards. So when we draw a court card, it is drawing our attention to that part of ourselves. Now, I covered the personalities of the court cards in episodes 12 and 13, so you may want to go back to that, but I will... I will talk about the court cards more in this season, and I'll be weaving them into future episodes. But if you really want to, like, deep dive into the particular personalities of all the court cards, go back to episodes 12 and 13. But what I'm bringing into this season, in this episode, by drawing on internal family systems therapy, is a departure from how I was thinking about court cards at that time. So keep that in mind as well. Tarot is an ever-evolving practice, both collectively, as a society, we're always coming up with new ideas of how to use tarot and how to interpret the cards, but also our individual approaches are evolving as well. So that's something you may notice as you continue to follow my practice, is that I'll come up with new things and there might be shifts in the ways that I interpret the cards in general, or particular sets of cards, or particular cards, And that's okay, that's just part of it. And my hope is that I'm sort of modeling for you that you should be doing the same. As you work with the cards more and more and more, you should be developing your own relationship with the cards and your own intuitive interpretation of those cards. And that can be based on your own history with your tarot deck. Okay, so back to the court cards and internal family systems therapy. So again, each of the court cards exists within us in some way. Each of us can identify what it would be like to have a part of ourselves be that court card. So, when you draw a court card upright, it's an invitation for you to step into or embody or embrace that part of yourself. So how can you draw on this part of yourself for strength and to sort of take the lead or take control of a situation? That's when you draw it upright. But when you draw it reversed, you want to attend to or nurture this part of yourself. So this means that this part could be hurt or activated in a negative way. It might be in a reactive place. And it needs you to send compassion to it and to nurture it. So when the card is reversed, it's more about attending to that part. Whereas when it's upright, it's more about embodying that part. So what does this look like? in the previous example of a person getting cut in line at the grocery store. Well, remember we talked about that childhood part that gets really hurt by getting cut in line? That might be something like the Page of Cups, reversed. It's young, right? And the pages are are representing youth. It's emotional, right? And the cups represent emotions, especially an emotion like hurt. And it's reversed, which means that it's needing us to attend to or nurture it. And then there's that part of you that gets really angry, right? And this might be something like the Knight of Wands reversed. It's a knight, so it's really active and ready to attack or ready to sort of swoop in and rescue in some way. Remember, it's trying to protect the childhood part that's hurt. It's angry. And an emotion like anger is a very passion-oriented emotion, so it's associated with the suit of wands. 
and it's activated in a way that actually wouldn't really be very helpful for you to use, right? In that particular situation, you probably don't want to yell at the person in front of you in line at the grocery store, so it's reversed, right? It kind of maybe needs us to attend to it, nurture it, calm it down. It's not asking us to invite ourselves into that energy. But then there's that part of you that stays calm, right? And this could be a number of cards. It might be the Queen of Cups upright, uh, because it has that just kind of wisdom uh, and knowledge around emotions, so it's really able to kind of self-regulate. Or if it's a more assertive part, so say you do end up saying something to the person who cut you in line, but you do it in a calm and even and not too activated way, that could be more like the Queen of Swords upright, right? Because you're using your words and you're using your cognitive abilities to take care of yourself and to assert yourself in a way that's not going to embarrass you. So I know I've covered a lot of information here, right, by introducing a whole type of psychotherapy and relating it to the court cards and then talking about how it relates to court cards when you draw them. But the key takeaway is to see the court cards as parts of ourselves. And so when they show up in a reading, they may be activated in a positive or negative way. And you know that by whether or not it's upright or reversed. So they may need us to activate and embody them if they're upright, or they may need us to nurture and attend to them if they're reversed. So when you see a court card in a reading, ask yourself, can this part of myself be of use in effectively hand handling the situation? Or if the card's reversed, how might this part of myself be negatively activated right now? Can I nurture or send compassion to that part? Would it maybe be helpful for me to not act out of that part, but still be attentive to it? That's the kind of way you want to think when you get a, neg uh, a reversed core card. And of course, it gets more complicated when you start thinking about the particular position in a tarot spread of a court card. But just keep that in mind as you begin to use this in your practice, if you choose to. And you can work with that, and I may cover that more in the future as well. And I know this feels like a more advanced way of thinking about the court cards, and it will probably take some getting used to and take more information to really get the hang of it. But I think it's one great way to approach using the court cards, and I hope that you think so too. And I also just want to say, kind of going back to the original point of this episode, that court cards are often a card that brings us to a place of feeling stuck, right? Because we don't get the narrative we're looking for. We don't see a story. Whenever you feel that way about a particular card you've drawn or a whole spread you've drawn, something you can always do is draw a clarifying card. So what this means is draw one more card and, and in your intention with that card is it's helping you clarify what the message of the confusing card is. And this is always an option and I find that it's always very helpful when I am in that stuck place and I'm not sure exactly how to interpret a card just to have a little bit more information from a clarifying card. So I hope that you all have found this really helpful. If you are a patron of the podcast and you are in our Patreon discussion group on Facebook, please uh, let me know what you think of the 
episode and this particular way of approaching the court cards. I'd love to hear your thoughts, your questions, and even if you're not in the Patreon group, please send me any feedback that you have or you know, DM me on Instagram. I would love to hear back from everyone. This is a new way of working with the court cards that I've come up with, and I would love to hear how it's landing with all of you. So that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join me next week. Thanks a lot. Bye. Rootlock Radio is a podcast for uncloaking, learning, and exploring the tarot cards. It's written and produced by me, Weston. Music for the podcast is provided by Shenandoah Davis and Jeray. To support Rootlock Radio, please join our Patreon community at patreon.com slash rootlockradio. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join me next time for Rootlock Radio.